two, episode two. We're here with Shella Rooney from The Go Knee. Hi, Shella. Hi, how are you? Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Welcome to our set. This is a fairly new adventure. Um, so be sure to like and share and follow and hit the bell and all those things. Subscribe, I guess that's a word. I don't really know all the things that, but do the things that you would do with a podcast, I guess. <laughs> so Shella, you are a physical therapist. I am. And you have invented, that's a big word. It is. I mean, a, a yeah. heavy thing. Yeah. Um, a device to help people who have a knee replacement surgery. Yes, that is correct. And um, full disclosure, there's two other physical therapists that are part of the Go Knee. Um, and Sonia Briggs is a physical therapist. She was the creative genius behind it. So she's, a, in, she's the true inventor. I jumped on board. Yeah. You know, she came up with a device and I'm the quality control. Like, ooh, could that work? Yes, yeah. it could. And then we have another business partner, Nikki, who's also a physical therapist, and she is the creative genius behind the actual protocol, the exercise protocol that goes with it. So you so, have three main business partners. We do. That you're all in it together, which is probably a little bit easier to run a business where you all kind of have your lanes that you can kind of work in. You would think. <laughs> Um, I'm going to say probably not, um, because right now I'm the only one that's committed full-time to doing the, the business. They still have their day jobs. Yeah. So, and then we all have different strengths and probably the biggest thing we learned was just because we're all three great physical therapists did not equal great business owners. Which is interesting. I talk about that a lot on this podcast is that you may have the most passion about whatever your trade is, but that does not always um, translate into a good business owner. No. And so what do you think it is about you that has made you kind of have that business sense from a physical therapist? Uh, well, I would say that I don't necessarily have the business sense. I'm working on getting the business sense. Um, I would say this past year I've learned a whole lot about, you know, just website design, marketing, um, SEO and all the acronyms that go with marketing and digital media stuff. But, um, no, I would not say, um, I still have to think about, am I, am I thinking about this as a therapist or am I thinking of this as a business owner? And they do not cross over. Like they are very different answers. And I struggle with that every day. And I think because I've done therapy for 24 years and I've done this business thing for only a few years, um, I think I still am going to struggle with that. Um, and I think other businesses see right through that. They see, you know, I struggled with how to price. Uh, I struggled with how to offer business models to my customers. I struggled with, you know, I have a device, you have knee pain, you know, a knee replacement surgery. I just want you to recover as quickly and as painlessly as possible. And I just thought that was easy, but it's not that easy. So t <clears throat> tell me about yourself. You are not from Cookville originally. I am not. I am. Um, You're kind of all over the place. Uh, I think one of my patients told me I was a Heinz 57. So I don't know what that means, but apparently, you know, it uh, takes into account everything or okay. something. I don't know. Maybe that hit the hit you on the side for. I don't know, but um, <laughs> I was uh, I was born in England. Uh -huh. I was raised in Canada, and I am now been in Tennessee for about gosh 15 years, and both all three of my children are Tennesseans. And um, weather is way better than in Canada. And your family, what's the culture of your family? A Pakistani. Pakistani. Yeah, family. so I look Pakistani. Right. I'm born British, sound Canadian, right. living in Tennessee. Right. Love it. Right? So, yeah, yeah. Like, just a mutt of everything, <laughs> a little bit. But I think it probably gives you um, other 
cultures to, to mm -hmm. draw on. You mm -hmm. know, there's a lot of stuff that we've talked about medical-wise that this is yes. what it looks like in Canada and this is what it looks like in the United States. And so that's kind of helped shape you a little bit. Um, absolutely. Um, and I think that from a cultural standpoint, like we... Um, I predominantly work with geriatrics, and I think just cultural-wise, how uh, Pakistani people treat the anyone older than them has um, helped me in my physical therapy career, um, and even business-wise. Like I feel like um, just I, I have a unique perspective, and it does it does help me. But um, but yeah, no, I, I but I'll tell you, Cookville has been so good to me and so welcoming to me, and um, I don't know that even if I was in Canada that it would be as successful as it is here. The going. Yeah. 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 I do think that the entrepreneurial community yeah. in Cookville is, yeah. in the Upper Cumberland region, is different. True. What do you think that that is? What, what makes this different? I don't know, but I will tell you that um, I we have not quit this company, even though we believe 100% in our product and we know it works and all that stuff. but. Um, a good product does not equal a good business, but we, you know, you meet someone and they connect you with somebody they know. And then that person tells you, oh, you need to talk to so-and-so. And it's like literally, uh, for lack of a better word because of COVID, but it's a virus. I mean, it's a good virus that just spreads. And so we have created a circle of mentors and coaches and people who genuinely want us to succeed. And um, I don't know that I would get that in a big city. Um, not to mention, it only takes eight to ten minutes to get wherever you want to get. That's There's no traffic. For you sure. Face to face. Time. I think that those those one on one connections that people have. So I know you know these people, and I can say, hey, I know somebody who is a professor that knows a doctor, and I can connect you with somebody that you know I wouldn't necessarily have any connections with tennis at a university in a big city. That's exactly right. And so the small business community might not be as um, you know, connected like it is here. Yeah. Um, so tell me about your Pakistani culture and, and kind of how, how that has shaped who you are and how you go about business. Wow, that's a good question. <clears throat> um, this sounds funny, but sometimes I forget what I look like. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I wasn't born there, yeah. and um, and and my parents did a great job of like they again took us out of Pakistan to give us more freedom. They took us from England to Canada to give us more freedom, and I was raised um, as a true immigrant's daughter, where he was like, "You need to earn the right to be in this country." You know, we came, we need to add value, um, and I would say the biggest thing he taught me was you just have to work harder than everyone else. You need to stand out. You need to be the best. You can't be complacent. Um, and I think the work ethic, I think the work ethic came from him. Do you think that you instill that in your kids as well? Because you are not a true immigrant. And so do you, but, but hard work, work ethic is not a bad thing to instill in your children. It's not. I think my motive is different than my dad's. My dad has a sense of urgency. Like, mm -hmm. you know, his urgency was his family needs to earn their keep. He's seen a different life. He has seen it. Right. And he has protected me from that. Yeah. Um, so I think I instill it in my children simply because my siblings and I are very successful. You know, we've done very well in terms of academic, professionally, personally, whatever. And so I just think that's a good life trait. But I wouldn't necessarily... I don't think as a parent I've instilled that in them 
because of my Pakistani background. It's been because I've seen what the merits of it. Yeah, the, the, the fruits of your labor. Yeah. So you have three kids, right? I do. Do you want to say anything? I do. <laughs> um, my 18-year-old is Sophie Rooney. Um, definitely have to say her name because she's been a big emotional support for me during this whole journey. Um, I have a 17-year-old son, Gabriel Rooney, and I have a daughter that's 11, Lila Rooney. So the, the entrepreneur... Uh, entrepreneurial world is kind of newer to you. Mm. This is not something that you really ever set out. I mean, 24 years ago, 30 years ago, when you were 10 years old, did you ever think owning a business, running a business would be in your car? No. Um, and actually, since you touched on the Pakistani background, like usually there's certain occupations that are kind of pushed on people of Pakistani descent. It's the way to get out of, you know, um, uh, hardship there, you know, so medicine was one of them. Um, you know, law is another one. Um, you know, so I felt like, I think I just knew I wanted to be in the health field forever. Like as long as I can remember, I've been volunteering in hospitals and health settings since I was, I think I had to be 11 where I grew up in Canada in order to start doing any kind of volunteer work. I know that's not allowed anymore, but anyways. Um, so I've always known that. As for being a business owner, never crossed my mind. I think if it had of, I would have taken business classes and I would have taken marketing classes and I would have done other things. Do you enjoy what you're doing in the business sense as much as you would enjoy physical therapy? Um, okay, so the the truthful answer. Yeah, this okay. Is it. You're so the truthful there. answer is there's no way I could be because let me explain. As a therapist, every single day, every patient you come in contact with, you are changing their life for the positive in some aspect. Mm -hmm. Whether it's now they can get up from a chair, whether now they can walk in their home, now whether they can get in and out of a car with their loved one. Every time you leave a patient, they are better. Fills your cup. So all day long, you're filled with people thanking you and gratitude. You feel good. You're helping people. As an entrepreneur, um, maybe that happens to some people, but that has not been my experience. And I'm new. Like, I'm still a new company, but we are having more um, setbacks, more, you know, no's, more doors in the faces, you know, more roadblocks, challenges. So I would say no. Right today, it, it does, is, not, fill your it cup, does like, not fill my cup, yeah. but, but I'll tell you, Thinking of the possibility that our device, you know, that there's going to be 700,000 patients, hopefully this year, that get their knee replacement, you know, if there's any way that I could help that recovery, because it is a difficult recovery, it's a challenging recovery of, of, you know, compared to most surgeries, if I can ease that burden on the people out there, now I'm, you know, in essence, accessing possibly three quarters of a million people, which I couldn't have done on my yeah, own. Yeah. So, yeah, I have to strive for that. Yeah, yeah, hold on to that passion. <laughs> yeah. Of, of what to do. So how have you kind of taught or learned or had mentors that have kind of taken you into this business world over the last few years? Um, well, uh, the SBDC, the Small Business District, they initially were um, huge, uh, integral in us getting just started, the whole business license, how to get started, business goals, writing business plans, figuring everything out. Um, and Jen D'Angelo at the time was at the SBDC and she was phenomenal in terms of keeping us on track. We're three, three therapists. We have this product. We know patients need it. How did you even it. know to go to the small business? Okay. Website? So because we, if you saw our device, it's PVC and pool noodle. So we automatically knew we needed to patent it. Um, because anybody can go to Lowe's and make this device to some, dis to, uh, I shouldn't say they can do that, but replicate it to some degree. So when we went and looked for patent attorneys, we went to Nashville. And when we were talking to this Nashville patent attorney, he was like, okay, 
he realized we're three therapists and not business people. And he was like, have you tapped into all the free resources available to you? And we were like, free resources? Again, yeah. when you're a therapist, you're not thinking about all the that. Business, right. You don't think about the business mm, world. Never thought about it. So we were like, free resources. So that's when he was like, you know, just Google free resources to businesses and small businesses. And that's how we connected with the small business. So it was, it was phenomenal. So many people, especially women, I think more will admit this. Men probably do it too, but they don't admit it. But they, like Google teaches you everything. Google is what will, can, can get you to where you need to be. And it'll teach you how to, you know, do whatever you need to do with a website. Um, and, but I think sometimes it's our pride that gets like in the way that's like, well, you know, you want to struggle more because it seems so easy just to Google something. Oh no, I, I am all about the Google. Yeah, um, I'm all, I'm all about, I shouldn't say just Google. I don't want to just, you know, lobby for one, but I'm all about resources and learning and education. And I am, again, whether this is a strength or a weakness, I perceive it as a strength that I know what I don't know, and I am okay with seeking out assistance. Yeah. I am all about saying, I have no idea the answer to that question, or I have no idea why we're doing whatever that you asked about, and I will go figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you have, one of your big issues is trying to get your device and your exercise program into the right hands. And yes. so you've kind of dealt with different avenues and you try to, so talk to me about the struggles a little bit. Take a deep breath. <sighs> yeah. And just, yeah. So many I know struggles. that you can get real, um, on, uh, you know, frustrated about this. Yes. And, and you, like you said, you've, you've heard a bunch of no's. Yeah. And you clearly believe so passionately in what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. Um, so tell me about the struggles of, of trying to find the right avenues. Um, okay. So, Apparently it's called the ideal customer, you know, in the marketing world, we need to, you would think that it would be easy. We thought it was easy. Our ideal customer for this product would be the end user, which is the patient who has the knee replacement. And that was fine and dandy, except from a marketing standpoint, it's harder to find the 700,000 individuals. You know, how do you do that when you're living in Cookville and you're not just going to travel all over and, you know, you don't have a team of... You're not going to wait outside the hospitals like, oh, you, yeah, oh, what, here you what are. are you, yeah. What are you doing? I mean, yeah. I, you know, I wish we could. But, you know, so it, we were able to sell to patients, but it wasn't anything we could scale. It wasn't something that was going to make the business sustainable. And so we had business people kind of telling us like, you know, you need to go to the therapists and the surgeons because they see a larger volume of those patients. You know, a surgeon might do 10 to 50 knee replacement surgeries a month. So they're like, instead of trying to find one patient here and there, you could possibly find 50 just with connecting with one surgeon or same with the therapist. Um, the problem was I did not realize that I understand a patient's pain points. I know they want their knee swelling to go down. I know they want their pain to be less. I know they want to walk, you know, whatever. What I did, what I underestimated was my ability to understand a therapist's pain point and a surgeon's pain point in order for them to say, yeah, we need to adopt that into our practice. Yeah. And that is still to this day, my struggle is assuming I know what so the pain point is. So at what point did you think, okay, my ideal customer, I need to pivot what my ideal customer is? Because I think that's so, that's, I mean, you have gone really far into this. But in business, people think, I hear so often, everyone, everyone's going to yeah. love my device yeah. and everyone's going to. Yeah. And how do you kind of figure out who your actual ideal customer is? 
Um, well, I, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to do the half glass half full thing. I think that even though we targeted the patients initially, it was great feedback. It, we needed to do that to get their, you know, the end users feedback so we could use that for further customers like therapists and surgeons. I'll tell you, we have pivoted because of COVID. So, you know, make lemonade out of lemons or something. Um, you know, so to me, surgeons and therapists and therapy clinics have lost money because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, okay, we need to pivot now and figure out a way to provide a revenue generating stream for these therapists and surgeons that lost, like patients were having surgery, patients were scared to have surgeries, patients were scared to go to therapy, you know, layoffs were made, cuts were made, you know, so we were like, okay, um, you know, how can we now in this new market? And we were like, wow, our device is COVID friendly. It wasn't made in the in the in the era of covid but we made it with the intention to be used at home yeah. so now all of a sudden that's going to be our new marketing theme is guess what you can do your therapy at home be safe be friendly and for therapists like you now using telehealth like crazy we're all doing it so now all of a sudden telehealth possibly with the goni method could be a great recipe for success for a knee replacement patient same with surgeons you know patients are scared to go get the surgery they're scared to go to the hospital they're scared to go get their therapy afterwards so again it can be an avenue for surgeons to attract patients to them because there's a safe way for them to do their therapy yeah yeah so if you look back on the last three years i feel like you're um almost like your goalpost has probably changed of like okay we're gonna like take over the world and you know every yeah. single person is yeah. gonna be using this after they've had a knee replacement um and now you know it's kind of gotten closer and closer and closer how do you do you look at that trajectory do you look at the last three years and think of where you guys have come and what you know the the steps you have made or are you like we're not at the hundred yard line that we want um both we do both. Depends on the day and how I'm feeling. By the way, I know that there's not a hundred yard line, but it's a hundred yard line. Do you know what? Did not even pick up on that inaccuracy. Tells you how much I am heavy into football. Um, I think that you're spot on. I think that there's some days that we're like, you know, are we ever going to reach whatever that goalpost might be? You know, we keep changing what the goalpost even looks like. Yeah. Um, but we're also very aware that, you know, even during COVID, when knee replacements are considered an elective surgery, they were postponed early in March. Okay. Okay. And I quit my day job in January of 2020 because I was going to do this full time because the research had just come out in 2019. So it was like, oh, everything's aligning and then COVID hits. But I'll tell you, even among COVID and everything shutting down, we have now secured like a sales force of about 35 independent sales reps in 24 different states. We've got a distributorship signed and now nothing is moving forward because everything is shut down. They can't, you can't. Those are, stop. Those are moving forward, though. Yes. Having people, yes. you know, I think sometimes we get so, business owners in general just get so like, you know, oh, it's not, I'm not making the progress I, I thought I was. And so, but you are, I mean, you're yeah. making progress. Well, and progress, two years ago, I would have said progress was making money. Yeah. Now I realize progress are the seeds that we're laying down that we're going to, you know, it, it, over time are going to generate success. Well, and, and you're you're in a different kind of industry in the medical industry and with a product, there's research that goes into you have to prove that this is a concept that works. Yep. And so it's not something like, oh, I have this, you know, hairspray, look, I spray and it, it works or, you know, there's there's research that you need to do to prove to get, I'm sure, um, licensing and yep. to, to get all that approval. Um, 
that that somebody that makes a hairspray might doesn't have to go through. Yeah, and 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 we we did that, and the you know it was fantastic the results. But like I said, timing wasn't on our side. The research comes out 2019 November. Yeah, you know we decide over Christmas of 2019 one of us needs to quit our day job and do this, and then you know we make the full leap, and then boom, the world stops you with COVID. But like you said. I didn't go to school for it, but you realize you have to pivot. Instead yeah. of being like, this this is going to stink. Do we postpone for a year? Do I go back to my day job while I wait? No, we, again, secured a sales force. And, you know, now it's, um, the goal is that, you know, maybe COVID things will open up a little bit and these salespeople can go in person to their connections that they have and, you know, demonstrate. It's hard to have, it's hard to get therapists and surgeons to adopt a new product when you can't even do an in-person sales call. Yeah. So, you know, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very optimistic. How do you, so you have a lot of people that are wanting to be helpful and give you lots of advice. How do you figure out how to tune into the right advice and and tune out the noise? I still struggle with that today. Um, Sometimes people say something that is not helpful, but it's almost like a truth you're already telling yourself. So it's almost like, they said that, you know, this many no's means it's just a product. It's not a business. You know, like sometimes you start to believe the naysayers. Um, but I have gotten better reading lots of books, uh, listening to lots of business podcasts, you know, talking to a lot of women entrepreneurs. Um, I have learned that exactly what you said. I it, It's a lifelong journey for me to figure out what is valuable advice and what's not. And we get a ton of not so valuable advice. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. Um, so any specific books or podcasts that you suggest that other people listen to? I mean, most of the people are kind of business-minded here. Anything that really stood out for you that was like, this was really turned it, you know, turned the corner for me. Like, it's so funny. Right now I'm trying to think of the last three books I've read and I can't come up with one of them. <laughs> you know, I'm panicked with right. the, the camera the camera, and you sitting here. Um, but, you know, like I do like a book listen, club with my sister. I do like a book club with my sister and like sometimes the girls that are in that book club will pick a book and it doesn't matter what the book's about. It's like you can just all of a sudden apply it to what you're going through right then. So, I mean, you know, some of them have been just biographies. Some of them have been, um, like, I think there's a, the proximity principle. That's just a local person who, you know, Nashville, I think that wrote that there was untamed by Glenn Doyle, you know, there, um, there, again, there's, two more that I've read since then, and they were on business principles. But again, it taught you that take advice with a grain of salt. You know, the motive of where it's coming from is really the key. So some people just want to impart wisdom whether you're asking for it or not, and that's not always the best to take. But some of the people that are really your cheerleaders, they're not going to give you something that's hurtful. They're giving, like, you know, I've had people say, you're taking things to, like, I just responded to a Facebook thing because somebody was questioning the pricing of the product, you know, like, oh, it's so expensive. And, you know, and I went on a big rant about um, FDA regulation fees and patent fees and insurance fees and this fees and our research and development, you know, and he was like, why did you do that? He goes, it's obviously you're still defensive about it, mm. you know? And I was like, because I still feel guilty that I have to charge a patient for a device that's going to make them better. Yeah. But if you're an entrepreneur, yeah, you got to have money coming in. Yeah. Well, and I think that's sometimes just, okay, this is, it doesn't matter. Nobody needs the backstory of it. And you can release that guilt and say, yes. I believe in my business and this is what I need to do. Nobody needs to know why you need to do the things you do in your business except you. Well, this is what I'm learning. But what I want to do is yeah. feel like just you know, hurting for two weeks yeah. less. Is that not important to you? Or you know how much money you can save? And well, like- and you have such out, you have such passion and such heart. And so it's hard to kind of turn that off and turn on yes. the, the business mode yes. and just go for it and, and go forward and, yes. and not 
have everybody be as passionate as you. Are you learning that it's okay for people not to be as passionate as you are? Um, because I got good advice. The advice was do not associate your self-worth with the success of your business or your self-worth with what people say about your business. And I'll tell you, that is still, I try to put that in practice. Every time someone is saying something really negative, mm -hmm. like, I don't think this works, or we're not going to do this, or you need to change the appearance of, like, as they're attacking something, I have to sit there and go, they're not questioning my abilities as a therapist. They're not, they're not saying, Shella, yeah. you are yes. not okay. Yes. There's something wrong with you. Yes. Um, You're not good enough. Right. You need to change something. Yeah. yeah. But that, that was a nice eye-opening, because... It's hard as a therapist when you've created a product and it's with patients for them when they're offering all these criticisms or objections, it's what it's called, is when they don't want to adopt something that you're selling. You know, it's hard to not be like, take it, not, not to take it personally. Well, and yeah, and, and in your situation, a lot of people that we, um, I've talked to, they are almost serial entrepreneurs or they really, they really loved what they were doing and they were like, I'm going to set out to start this business. You kind of fell into it. We did. And I'm glad you said that because uh, sometimes I feel like people don't take us with a grain of salt when you think we didn't go to school, plan with it. Like since I was 10 years old, go to school for mar uh, you know, for business and do all this. We were therapists. We had a patient, you know, a couple of years ago, we just had a patient whose knee wasn't doing what it should have been doing. And we were like baffled. And, you know, you have a surgeon saying, well, if your knee doesn't work, you know, we're going to do another surgery. And you have a patient saying, I don't want another surgery. Like, do I not have any other option? And then Sonia, my business partner with the creative brain was like, I'm going to build something, you know, and then she builds something. And then all of a sudden it works. And then you ask yourself, well, if it worked for him, could it work for everybody? And then next thing you know, you know, you just fast forward to, yeah, it does work for lots of people. Okay, well, now we need to do this. And now we need to patent. And now we need to get a business. And so it wasn't like, you know, an intent to become an entrepreneur. It was we created something that we, we thought was valuable. Yeah. Now, what do we do with that? How do we share that? But I think the thing that to keep in mind for as women too, I think I, I know I fall into this as well, is um, I don't have any business background. I don't have any, I, you know, I was a high school math teacher for five years. That's all I wanted to do is be a math teacher. And so, um, but I kind of got, and, and for the first couple of years, I felt like, oh, I'm an imposter. Nobody, everybody yes. knows. I'm not, you know. And, but I think, nope. Nobody else really knew. I knew the, the background, but nobody else, when you walk into a business meeting, nobody knows what, what's going on there. If you put on the hat and you put on, I'm a businesswoman, nobody else knows any different. And well, so, and to add to that, though, I think that I did that too much, meaning I was like, I'm a business owner. I gave myself a good title. Yeah. You know, you're like, what can I be? Can I be owner? Can I be founder? Can I be president? Can yeah. I be president or, you know, vice president or something? You know, and then you walk into a meeting and you think you have to live up to that. And what I've learned is actually my credibility as a therapist is what actually is relevant. I have a medical product. I have a rehabilitation product and I'm a therapist. So why am I trying to go the business route? So some therapists were very turned off by, oh, she's a business owner, yeah. you know, versus I'm a therapist actually. Well, and, and did you feel like maybe going in and like your scrubs was a better kind of approach in some of those situations as opposed to, you know, a business suit or whatnot? Put a lot of time and effort into this. Um, we usually go in with scrub pants, and then just, you know, like a t-shirt with our logo on it. Yeah. You know, so something that was like approachable. Yeah. Now, again, we have to cater based on who we're meeting. So if we're meeting an executive, yeah, you got to look the part. Yeah. You know, but if you're going to demonstrate in front of a bunch of patients and therapists, you want to look the part. Yeah. You want to be familiar. And that is, that's, that's it really true is to meet people where they're at. Where meet they're people at. on their, their level. Yeah. Um, have there, have there been any times where you thought, okay, it's time to throw in the towel and we got to quit this? 
like every day. Like every day. So what keeps you going? (laughs) Every time we have to ask for money or, you know, like we were cash flowing it initially. And then when we started to realize, okay, in order for me to quit my job, there needs to be some money coming in. That was a reality check. Um, And I think business owners, it's a struggle figuring out when you should start spending money or, or borrowing money or taking money or whatever. Um, but what was your question specific? When, what keeps you going? Like if you, if you have every day and you're like, wow, yeah. maybe we should throw in the towel. Yeah. I have some great cheerleaders in my, um, I actually have former patients, like one's a Harvard business, um, you know, a, a graduate that just, I, I came across contact with about 12 years ago and he's been in my corner and he always jokes that, you know, your goni is literally the iPhone for knee replacement recovery. Like, and he says that to me at least probably three times a week, but I'll tell you what keeps me going is even though I've had no's, meaning they don't want to adopt the product into their, say their practice, not one person has said they don't see the merit in it. They don't see how it wouldn't work. I haven't had, you know, patients say that this just stinks or, you know, I've had all the feedback has been, oh, it's hard to do, or it's the recovery is still difficult, but you know, you know, we have not had any, what I call foundational no's, nothing to say that, you know, that this cannot continue. And what keeps us going is that there's 700,000 people that are going to have this knee replacement and that number is only going up and they should have the right to a quicker recovery if possible. So let me talk talk to you real quick about this too, is that, so I did not know that I'm not a medical person whatsoever. So a knee replacement surgery is different than like a sports injury. Mm -hmm. So knee replacement is typically older people or maybe people who have overworked their knees. Yeah, Um, it usually stems from having like arthritis, like severe, severe arthritis. And there's numerous things that can cause severe arthritis. They can be, if you were born with your legs bowed or knock kneed, it'll wear and tear, kind of like tires being malaligned on your car if you keep Mm -hmm. riding on them. Um, It could be from an injury, sports injury when you were in college or in high school. I know nobody wants to hear that, but that's when it starts. It starts at that point. It's like when your car gets in a car crash, even if you rebuild it, it's never the same. But typically it's not the fact that like somebody gets hit in football and they have to have knee, re- knee surgery. That's usually like a torn something. Yeah, right? yeah. It's just this a... Is, this mm-hmm. is a lengthier... It's like, a long term. You don't just all of a sudden wake up and you need a knee replacement. Um, and yes, the average age is probably like about 62, but they're starting it in mid-40s now because the prosthetic joints last so much longer. And, you know, people don't want to live in pain. They don't want to stop doing what they enjoy doing. And if your knee's hurting, you stop doing what you enjoy doing. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's definitely a quality of life that goes into making that decision Mm -hmm. to have a knee replacement. And it's part of our marketing pitch because, you know, uh, I want to sell that you deserve to take care of your grandkids if you want to. You deserve to go on that, you know, trip if you want to. You deserve to go resume golfing if you want to. And some of these people that have had pain for years, they've written it off. You know, and that's not what I want my retirement to look like. I'm hoping to do all the things that I thought I was going to do. I'm or not going to be right? or more. more Correct. Retired. So I don't want pain to ever be a barrier for me to do the things that I enjoy. And that's exactly what I want for my patients. Yeah. I don't want them to not do. Yeah. So what do you see the future? You know, if you let's talk five years, 10 years, what, what happens to the Goni in five years from now? If you could paint your own picture. Um, I am outsourcing production and manufacturing. My two business partners are on board full time. Um, we got a sales team uh, down selling it. We are doing some fun uh, inpatient retirement community show up uh, presentations. So we're talking to the people. I would. I, I hope I'm in front of patients five years from now instead of, you know, any kind of sales and marketing and all this other stuff. I hope I get to get back to the patient part of it and talk to them about it. Um, but I see the, the device has penetrated the market and it's becoming a more staple name and me 
replacement rehab, um, that we're now into sports medicine and going after the ACLs and the meniscals and this, the athletes, because um, it works for them too. There's just, we need to make sure there's no risk of injury. And if it's used incorrectly, it could be with ACLs, but not with knee replacements. And so, um, I don't know. I, there's so many things. I could give you 20 different things and I'm like, <gasps> in five years from now, what could be going on? What, what, you have so much, you have just this um, energy to you. Where does that sound from? Like just listening to you talk about like, what could happen in five years? Oh my like, goodness, so... I know. Um, I don't, you know what? I, I don't know. If it, I think all therapists go, like it's a certain personality that's drawn to, um, to physical therapy where you're just constantly wanting to help people. And I think helping people fills your cup. And when your cup is full, you're full of energy, you know? Yeah. So it's that whole not being depleted. It's like that bank account of love or bank account of affirmations. And, um, I just see it. And yeah. it's, it's just, it's a, it's a feel good feeling. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so how can people find the Goni if they're looking for it? Um, so you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Goni, um, or at LinkedIn at the Goni method. Um, or by visiting our website, which is thegoni.com. Everything's on the website. Thegoni.com. The and so are you on LinkedIn as well, Shella? I am Rooney. effective like a week ago. So, so. Shella Rooney, you can find her <laughs> on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, or are you the one that's answering if people yeah. message? Um, so if you find her on social media, she'll be the one that's answering your questions. Um, anything else that you want to say before we wrap up today? Um, is this mostly watched by women? Okay. Um, I will say for women entrepreneurs, um, uh, if you figure out how to deal with the work-life balance, give me a call. <laughs> how about that? Is, that? that is true. How the, about that? The work-life balance is, is definitely um, a question. Yeah. So thank you for tuning in. I'm Tiffany Anton from the Biz Foundry, Shella Rooney with the Go yeah. Knee.